couple. Uh, you all are going bowling, and you're invited to join all the ladies of Calvary Gospel to go bowling at Boulevard Lanes, uh, 12 to 2 p.m. And Sister Lindsay, raise your hand. If you've got any questions, give her a shout. She's our ladies director. Amen. And then next Sunday, a couple great things going on. First, our new elements class cycle begins. If you want to grow in your faith, um, if you want, we would ask you to consider joining the Elements classes. They take place on Sunday mornings, and they are a six-week course. And uh, there's uh, Elements 1, 2, 3, 4, and you can see there there's foundational elements, relational elements, doctrinal elements, lifestyle elements, just really foundational things to help us grow in Jesus. Your relationship with him will be enriched as you create that solid foundation. I want to encourage you to... Uh, to start in those classes, or if you've already done one of them, to continue on to the next class, uh, you will be blessed. And then also next Sunday in the 11 o'clock hour, we're having our opportunity fair. We're going to have a short uh, um, a worship service and uh, sermon in the first half an hour. And then at 11.30, we're going to dismiss everyone to head over to our fellowship hall. Uh, we're going to have some food available so you don't have to go buy lunch. And then we're going to have our ministries and our connection groups are all going to be set up. And just a, a way to connect here at Calvary Gospel Church and, and find out how, number one, you can get connected, but then also how you can volunteer. Um, it's going to be just a great time next Sunday, so come expecting great things. Uh, join our elements classes in the, that are in the 10 a.m. hour, and then 11 a.m. will be our opportunity fair. And then... Uh, just recently, you may have noticed last fall actually, uh, we installed a slat wall on the in the lobby on that wall right over there. If you're uh, my right, your left back there, uh, you've probably been wondering like, what's with the wall? It's just you know. Well, we finally are getting to a place where we're uh, utilizing that and flushing it out. It's going to be a source of uh, of information. Um, it's our connection wall. What um, it's going to be a lot of things that are going to live on that wall. It's very uh, versatile. We can switch it around and stuff, but general communication about our ministries and connection groups. We've already got uh, four, I think it was 14 cards out there that you can look at, take, uh, scan the QR code, join the group. We're getting a few more uh, that will arrive this week that will be up there. There's going to be upcoming events uh, for our ministries and connection groups. They'll be able to uh, set them there as we go along. Our prayer request cards and our giving envelopes now do not live at the Welcome Center. You just head to that wall, grab those. Of course, our giving envelopes are also in our, our giving boxes there. Um, but we'll have other stuff as we go. We'll, there's lots of ideas that we're, we're uh, strategizing how we can utilize that wall. Um, but it's going to be that source of connection, source of information. Uh, we want to direct you to that wall uh, to get those things. So you want to get connected, that's the location to check things out. As always, you can ask questions at the Welcome Center, our ushers, greeters. They're such great people and will be willing to help you with whatever. If you would stand with me, amen. We want to go before the Lord in prayer, amen. We want to pray for me. Uh, thankfully, I in the 10 a.m. hour, I didn't call out Gordon Lightfoot and who in the world he was, but uh, I guess a lot of folks know him. And so if you were not in 10 a.m., you miss stuff. You miss excitement and craziness, well, at least on the third Sunday of the month. 
Um, <laughs> and so uh, go check that out. Go go listen. Good good teaching. Not not mine, but uh, the other Sundays are great teaching. And I want to encourage you to go wa- go back and watch those. It's a great series this month. Amen. About Jesus. Amen. And what he's doing in our lives. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Anyone got a situation you want to indicate by lift a hand that you need prayer for? Amen. Look around. Call out a name. Um, we want to pray for Zephaniah. I know I've heard a, a positive report in the last couple of days. I don't know the current situation, but he has been uh, struggling uh, with leukemia. And we just want to pray for complete healing. We're believing for that uh, with the Powell family and the Peterson family. Amen. This is little Leandra and Andrew's little boy. Amen. And if you aren't aware, so we're going to continue to pray for that. And you saw the lifted hands. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for your grace and mercy, uh, for your touch in our lives, Lord Jesus. We're thankful, God, that you are God in the midst of storms, in the midst of situations, Lord. As we talked about this morning, you walk on the waters and the waves that are crashing against us. You're, you're walking on them. You see us from afar. You, you know where we're at. You know the situation. You, you saw the lifted hands. You know what those situations are, God. You know little Zephaniah, God, Lord Jesus, and Lord, his... Lord, need for a touch, a miracle, a, a healing, Lord God. Lord, peace for the family, strength, and yeah, through this storm of their lives, Lord God. Lord Jesus, God, you saw the other hands, God. I pray minister in this place this morning. Minister to our hearts. Minister to our minds, Lord God. Anoint the preaching of your word, God. I pray this morning, God. We ask all of this. Let's give a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's join our worship team today.
there's no shadow, there's no vow that you won't find me. No, I am not afraid. Before me, behind me, you're always beside me. No shadow, there's no valley where you
apostolic way since 1980 and it still amazes me when the presence of God comes in and just moves in my spirit just the fact that this is not something I make happen not something anyone else makes happen but it's God's response to his people God is so great. He's so, so great, yet he's so close and so near. Amen. If you would open your Bibles or your devices or your memories, whatever it is you're working with. Colossians 1, 24 through 27. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. This is Paul writing to the church at Colossae. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery, and this is the the crux of the text that I want to address. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations that now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Help me pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask, O God, for your blessing and your anointing. have a lot that I've tried to pack into this message, and I'm asking, oh God, for you to help me to, to, to retain the focus that, that we need here this morning so that you can minister to every heart and every mind according to your will. We ask for your blessing upon all of us here that we can uh, draw near to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Pastor Phil this morning was said a lot about all of the other people teaching lessons this month, but I really do appreciate the message that he taught. Uh, it comes down, it relates to what I'm going to preach about this, this morning. Um, who Jesus is. It's, he's, he's the Christ. He's God manifest in the flesh. He's the one who came to save us. Amen. And I got another insight that <laughs> this has nothing to do necessarily with what I'm preaching, but I just feel like I have to share this. Um, when I was a new Christian, I was still trying to figure out what it meant to have faith, and I was still experimenting with, with my relationship with God, and I maybe didn't understand a few things, probably a lot of things. <laughs> I went down to Monona Bay one night, and I would go down by Lake Monona and Monona Bay. I lived on campus at the time, and I would go down there and walk around and pray. 
And I got the idea while I was down there that if I really had faith, I should be able to walk on water. (laughs) Well, needless to say, I got wet feet. (laughs) But I got a revelation when Pastor Phil was teaching this morning. That's the difference between real faith and what we sometimes believe Consider faith. We think if we believe something hard enough, it can, we can make it happen. But when Peter walked on water, it was because Jesus told him to come out. He spoke the word to him. And Peter responded to the word of God. That was faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Pastor Kasky sends out a uh, 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 devotion in text. I don't know who all receives it, but it's from what I can tell, it's to ministers. Uh, and, and he addressed that this morning. And so all of these things uh, kind of came together when Pastor Phil was teaching this morning, and I thought I had to, I had to share that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... So, you know, don't try walking on water unless Jesus tells you to. Amen. All right. I guess that goes along with what I'm talking about this morning because uh, the, the title of my message, and I like to have a little bit of fun with my titles, is Things I Thought I Knew. Things I Thought I Knew. Paul uh, addresses the church at Colossae, and he is letting them know that he is, he is grateful for the call that God has placed on his life, but he also recognizes that it was a, a mystery for him until it was revealed to him what God was actually doing. Not too long ago, I was reading in Philippians, and I think someone preached from this verse recently. Not too long ago, I was reading in Philippians, and I came across Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. Any Bible quizzers can, qu- can quote Philippians 4.19 or, or otherwise? Well, it's up on the board now, so... My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I always took this verse and used this verse as a, like a blanket statement that God will meet the needs of every Christian. If I need something, I claim this verse and I'm going to... I'm not saying that God doesn't take care of his children and that he, he, there aren't promises in the Bible that where God talks about... He will meet our needs. He will take care of us. Uh, The Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. But really, this verse has a specific context. And if we read the context, Paul is talking about the generosity of the Colossian church and how they were so willing to give and to help when people were in need. And then he says, my God shall supply all your needs. He's saying, God has a principle here, and because you have given so freely, I can promise you God will meet your need. So I'm not taking away from God taking care of his children, but the specific context of this is he's talking about giving and receiving. I thought I knew uh, it, what this verse was saying, but I didn't. Somehow, the 10 or 20 or 100 times that I read it, I never put it in context. Thought I knew. 
Thought I knew exactly what it meant. Praise God. In the text that I read this morning, Paul's writing to the church in Colossae. Probably, probably historically, we get from the, what we read that he, he, this was not a church that he probably founded. He, he may not even have met anyone that was there except for one or two of the leaders. And he's writing to the church. It's one of my favorite uh, epistles because it's, it has such strong oneness revelation in it. But he, Paul says that, that we, being the Jewish community, is what he's. we all thought we knew what God was doing. That's what he's kind of saying in his opening chapter. We thought we had it. We thought we had the revelation. We thought we understood. But there was something hidden. It was a mystery. We didn't understand what God was doing. But now the mystery has been revealed. We, <laughs> we thought that a conquering Messiah was going to put Rome under our feet. We thought that he was going to subvert the rest of humanity and that they were going to learn to be Jewish. (laughs) That was basically their understanding of what the Messiah was going to do. We had no idea he was going to come as a baby in a manger. We We didn't know he was going to walk around dressed like a carpenter. We, we didn't know he would be crucified on a cross. We didn't understand it. We didn't know he was coming to correct and redirect Israel. And that he was going to open the door to the Gentiles. Paul said, that, that now it's been revealed. And he's telling the church at Colossae, predominantly Gentile church, this is the mystery, and you're a part of it. God has done a great thing. We thought we knew. I remember when I was a student at the University of Wisconsin, I lived in a co-op dorm. And I was 20 or about 20 years old. I don't remember exactly. Probably 20 years old at the time. And, of course, I knew everything. And... Uh, and this incident, I'm going to tell you about, it proves that the decline of mental facilities begins at age 20 or thereabouts. Because up until that day, I knew everything. And in the third year, 40 years since then, I just keep finding out there's more things I don't know. You see, this was the day when I first found out I, I didn't know everything about Jesus. The, the religious guy in our dorm, there's, you know, every dorm, every floor has a religious guy. Uh, he, he, he was religious. American Christianity would say he was not orthodox, okay? And uh, today I would say his theology and his doctrine were not biblical, but nonetheless, he was the religious guy in our, in our dorm. And uh, I got into a conversation with him. And I was raised at a home, in a home, where we went to church every Sunday. There just wasn't a question. I was communioned and confirmed. I knew about God. I knew, I knew about the Trinity. I knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the 
So we, I got in a discussion, because I knew everything, with the, with the religious guy. And I started explaining to him who, who, about God and, and who Jesus Christ was. And he said, uh, it's Jesus the Christ. And I said, well, Jesus Christ. He said, no, it's Jesus. His name is not Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, you know, I didn't want to admit he was right. So that he said that he's the Christ. That's a title. He's, his name was Jesus, and the Christ was a title. And it was, I can't remember if I said you're right or if I just walked away or I, I didn't. He had me, you know, so he's the Christ. But suddenly I realized maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know everything about Jesus. The Christ, the Christ, what is it? I didn't, that didn't really mean that much to me, but I knew he was right because I, I didn't find out till much later what the Christ meant, but that moment still sticks in my mind. The things I thought I knew. I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. Maybe you're in that place today. You're being confronted with some things in the Word of God or in your walk with God, and maybe you thought you had a handle on it, and maybe you're finding out the things you thought you knew you really didn't know. Is there something more you need to know about Jesus? I, I want to know more about Jesus. Maybe there's things you think you know that you don't know. That's the hardest. I remember Brother Rutherford one told me one time said, uh, the hardest thing is to get, quote, saved Christians unsaved so that they can really be saved. After Jesus healed the man at the pool of Bethesda, the Jews attacked him for working on the Sabbath. See, they knew, they knew what was acceptable on the Sabbath, but here's God manifest in the flesh, and he's healing somebody on the Sabbath day. Then they, they, they attacked him. They came at him, and he made some statements that made it clear to them that he was saying, like Pastor Phil was uh, teaching this morning, that he was saying, I am. I'm the God of the Old Testament. He made himself equal with God. And his response to them in John 5, 39 was this. You search the scriptures. Now, it's, it's hard to tell whether he was saying, go search the scriptures, or he was saying, you, you, search, you read the Bible all the time. You know the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. You think... Things you thought you knew. You think you have eternal life, but these scriptures that you're reading, this book that you, that's what testifies of me, Jesus said. But you're not willing to come to me and that you may have life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Same phrase, I am. He uses that a lot in the book of John. <laughs> Um, I have a the next door app. Anybody, I know Pastor Phil has it. He's the one that told me. If, any, if you're on next door, the next door app, this I think it was this morning, might have been last night. Uh, 
opened it up, and there's a, a, a lady on there in a nearby community. I won't name the community. She said, if you drive through this town, be careful because the police are scanning your license plate, and they will, they will check you out. They're not supposed to do that, she said. My, my nephew is in the police academy, and he told me they can't do that. So, of course, I don't know if you've ever been on Nextdoor or any other social media app. That just, like, lit, lit the flame. Everybody's got an opinion about what, you know, what they, what's right about this. And, oh, yeah, those mean police, you know, uh, call the mayor. One guy said call the mayor or call ACLU. It was all in there. Finally, after, you know, I'm reading all this, and I'm thinking, oh, my. And one guy gets on there, and he, he quotes case law. And he describes what the police can and can't do. Yeah, they can do it. It's not an invasion of privacy. These two cases have settled that issue. It's, they can do that. Uh, they don't have to have probable cause to run your license plate. Uh, Suddenly, the whole discussion kind of slowed down a little bit, quieted down. The things you thought you knew. My nephew goes to the police academy, and he told me. Hey, just because somebody tells you something about, about Jesus doesn't mean it's true. Just because it's on the Christian radio station doesn't mean it's true. It's a, we believe in discipleship, right? Where, where one person disciples another, but you, you better make, it's, it's okay to check it out in the word. As a matter of fact, you better check it out in the word because there's not one person among us that has everything exactly perfectly right. Things I thought I knew. They can't do that. I'm calling the ACLU. <laughs> well, for one thing, if there's, if, if there's nothing bad connecting with your license plate, what's the big deal? Okay. Invasion of privacy. It has actually public record. That's why it's on your car. All right. Well, things. My point is, if do you have a disagreement with your brother or sister, don't don't rely on what somebody else tells you. Go to the Word of God and figure out how to deal with it. Find out what's right and wrong, and then find out what you should do. What does the Word of God say? Do you? Are you having a problem with something the pastor said? Then, then you better go to the Word. And then talk to your pastor about it. There might be something you don't know. The things I thought I knew. Oh, I could, I could just one after another talk about things I thought I knew and I found out that wasn't right. Disagreement with your parents? You'll find, as a young person, that about the time you get to 22 or 23, if you have most of your brains still, 
that your parents were right about an awful lot of stuff. And the things you thought you knew, maybe you didn't know what you thought you knew. Even your boss. What does the word of God say? Don't rely on what someone else says. Whether it's in relationship or whether it's in the church or whether it's your walk with God. Especially, especially teachers and preachers that don't have the truth. That aren't oneness apostolic preachers and teachers. They have a lot of principle and understanding. But if they don't know who Jesus is, then their foundation is, is, is weak. There's, there's, there's a hole in their theology. Their doctrine is lacking. So hold up the, a big screen of the word of God and apostolic doctrine through everything you hear and read. Maybe there is something I don't know. Maybe there, the only way we know the right way to deal with things is if we look in the scriptures. And the only way we know how to come to God to have a right relationship with him is through the word of God. And that will reveal to us who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? That's the key. That's why we call it Christianity, because he's Jesus the Christ. Who's Jesus? Jesus and his disciples run away to Jerusalem in John chapter 4. The Gospel of John tells us that he was leaving Judea and on his way to Galilee. Now, somewhere I read or somewhere I got the idea, and I'm talking about for a long time, I was convinced, in my mind, the image was Jesus coming down from Galilee to Jerusalem for the Passover. I don't know where I got the idea, but I taught it that way. I preached it that way for years. And this morning I look, and there it is right there in John 4, right at the beginning of the story. It says, Jesus was leaving Judea and on his way to Galilee. Things I thought I knew. It says it right there. And now, that's not a big deal. Uh, but, you know, it's not the first time I've, I've talked about this story. In John 4, Jesus took the road less traveled, we could say, because he, he did not take the way that most of the practicing Jews, if I can use that term, uh, they, would, they did everything they could to go around Samaria. Samaria was directly north of Judea in the straight line to Galilee went right through Samaria, but it was uh, well understood that the best way to get there was to go over to the Jordan River and go north and then cut over to, and then get to Galilee because nobody wanted to go through Samaria. But he did. He, he said, I must, in the King James Version, I must needs go through Samaria. I have to go to Samaria. I got to... He, he made it a point to go to the well at, in Sychar and meet with the Samaritan woman. And most of us know the story. 
he's sitting down in the middle of the day in the, next to this Samaritan woman, and he asks her for, to get some water out of the well, and she's shocked because she's a Samaritan woman, and he's a Jewish man. For one, the, fact, the very fact that he's there is, is out of the ordinary, and now he's talking to her. That's out of the ordinary, and he's asking her to get water for him. There's an interaction taking That is not right, she said. I thought I knew that a Jew would never do something like this. Jesus did something which was not only unconventional, but many thought it was unholy. John 4, 9 says, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I thought I knew the rules here. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest, if you knew what you don't know, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is, if you knew who I am, if you knew who I am, if we know who Jesus is, everything changes. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Praise God. She said, I thought I knew the religious norms. I thought I knew the social norms. I thought I knew what was acceptable. How can you be asking me this? And Jesus said, if you only knew. I can give you water unto eternal life. There's, there are many people who love God and read the Bible that really don't understand who Jesus is. Jesus, the Christ. That means the Messiah. That means the chosen one, the holy one, the anointed one. That, from the Jewish perspective, that changes everything about his identity. I can give you water, you can give me water, but only I can give you eternal life, Jesus said. Verse 19, Jesus said, and the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. I think I know what's going on here. I think I know you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. I know what's going on here. You're a prophet, and this is a religious discussion. She said, but I think, I think I know how to worship. We have a way of worship here. Verse 21, Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know, we know you think you know, but we know that we, what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. So, that much was, was right up to that point. But then he says, but even that's going to change. You think this is a discussion between Samaritans and Jews, he said. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. The things you thought you knew, the things you thought were important, that's not important anymore. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeketh, seeketh. God's looking for people who will worship him this way. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must, must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
We are apostolics. That is not necessarily a religious denomination. At least we have tried not to let it become that. Because the reason that this church exists, the reason the United Pentecostal Church International exists is not because we thought we had a better religion. It was because of who Jesus is. The mighty God in Christ, the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. The, the book of Acts says, neither is there salvation in any other, neither is there any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Philippians, I believe it is, says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. You know, there were a lot of people named Jesus when, in the time when Jesus the Christ was walking around. But God chose that name and exalted that name because that was the name of the Christ. And the reason he did it that way is because the word means God with us. Jehovah is our Savior is what it means uh, transliterated. God with us. That's the point. That's why we, we care about baptism in the name of Jesus. Because it's the mighty God in flesh. There's no other name, where, no title, no formula, no other way you can be saved but in the name of Jesus. The things I thought I knew. I was baptized when I was a baby. Well, good for you. One, it probably wasn't a real baptism because baptism means to be plunged underwater. And secondly, it probably wasn't in the name of Jesus. Because, well, I won't get too deep into that, but the things you thought you knew. I thought that, that my family's religion was, was going to be the thing. That if I just had enough of that religion, that I could, I could make it to heaven. It's really... It's really about who Jesus is. Jesus said, I will, I will send the comforter in my name. It's the name of Jesus that reveals the Holy Spirit. Jesus then is taken by the authorities. He's He's dragged uh, around Jerusalem and, and tortured and crucified on a cross for everyone to see. Things we, things we thought we knew. The, the, some, that was a, a turning point for a lot of people. A lot of people said the Messiah would never allow that to happen. And then a lot of other people, they, they were just totally destroyed because, because they, they believed that he was Messiah, but they couldn't believe it. How did, I thought I knew he was the Christ. 
So the disciples, then they lock themselves up in a room. They're worried now. What are we going to do? All, all of the 12 except for Thomas. And Jesus shows up. He's got the, the marks in his hands, in his side, in his feet. And they don't believe at first that, that he's there. He said, well, give me, give me something to eat. A few days later, shortly afterwards, Thomas shows up and, and they tell him, hey, Jesus was here. You should have seen it. It was awesome. Jesus has risen. As he said, and Thomas said, I don't, I don't believe it. I know the difference between, between uh, truth and in, in fable. I know the difference between real, I can touch it, I can feel it, and in, in, in spirit. I don't believe it. Unless I can touch him, unless I can put my fingers in the hole, unless I can put my hand in his side, then I'll believe it. The things we, we think we know. <laughs> so Thomas is together with the disciples and then, of course, Jesus shows up. I, I don't know. Poor Thomas. Jesus. What do you think? I don't know what he, maybe he just got all red in the face and, and bowed his head. I don't know what he did, but I'm sure he was, he was flabbergasted. I don't know how you say that in Greek, but that, it, I imagine he was. But, I, but Jesus was, I mean, he, I don't know. He kind of hung him out there. He kind of put him on the spot. Go ahead. Put your, put your finger in the hole. Here's my side. What did Thomas, Thomas thought he knew who Jesus was. Thomas thought he understood. What did he say? He said, my Lord and my God. Now he knows who Jesus is. Now there's no question in his mind. I don't, I don't know what you're struggling with or what, what you know about Jesus, but maybe there's something you thought you knew. Maybe you think that your situation is too big for Jesus to handle. Maybe you think that the, the, the religion that was given to you is enough. Maybe you think that uh, even by your good works you can, you can get to heaven, but... I, I'm telling you, it's all about who Jesus is. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Ilamo shasite mokasi tandala mokaya. He amba shasite momatende. Ilalala mokende kilobugula. He tandala moshala mokasite. He a tandala mo nana makalabatite. Do you know who I am? Are you willing to trust me? I know the end from the beginning. 
I know your needs before you pray. I came in the flesh to wash your sins away. And I will come again to receive you unto myself. If you will accept me as your Messiah, as your Savior, as your Father, as your God, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul said it was a mystery. Paul said we, we thought we knew. He was at the top of the religious world. He, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said. He had, he had orders to, to arrest the Christians. And on the way to Damascus, he was knocked to the ground by a, a, a power that was beyond his understanding. And a bright light shined before him. And evidently, he saw an image of Jesus Christ. Just what he saw, we don't know, but the light was so bright. Those around him saw the light and they heard something, but they didn't hear the words. But Jesus spoke to him and he said, why do you persecute me? He said, Lord, who are you? In Paul's mind, this can only be God speaking to him. It's clear from the context, that's his thinking. And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, who you are persecuting. I thought I knew, Paul said. Do you know Jesus today? Do you want to know him better? It, it, sometimes he allows us to go through trials so that we can learn more about him. Come on out on the water, Peter. Okay, he said it. I'm going to do it. Now, I, I agree with Phil. There's not, probably not all of us would have been willing to do that. But Peter did. And we know he faltered. We know he started to sink. But guess what? Then Jesus picked him up again. Hey, if you do what Jesus calls you to do, he'll pick you up when, when you falter. And remember, Peter did walk back to the boat. Jesus, Jesus fulfilled his word. And Peter was able to do it through obedience. Praise God. What is it today? What are you struggling with? What has he called you to? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? That... The things you thought you knew. I didn't know you could speak in tongues when I first came to Calvary Gospel Church. I didn't know anything about baptism in Jesus' name. But it's in the book. Praise God. If, you, if you're struggling with something and you want Jesus to, to meet you where you are, why don't you come down and come and find a place to pray. If you need healing... He's our healer. You can come down on this side and someone will pray for you if you want. If, you, if, you're interested, if you're willing, they'll anoint you with oil. That means they'll put a little dab of oil on your forehead. They won't pour it on you like they should. 
If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name or you feel you need to repent or you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come on down on this side. You can come and pray wherever you want. You can go in the, in the back corner and pray if you want. That, that's up to you. But then we know how to help, help you. We know how to pray with you. Praise God. Boy, I feel the presence of God here. I feel God drawing hungry hearts. There's, you think you know. The Bible says he is able to do above all, above all that we can ask or even think. He has greater plans for you and me than we can even imagine. Praise God. God is good. The things I thought I knew, I'm glad that Jesus revealed himself to me and showed me things about myself I needed to, to surrender. I thought I was a good guy. I thought I was a, a, a Christian. But I found out I wasn't what the Bible says I should be. Praise God. The things I thought I knew. I thought I knew a lot about Jesus. Praise God. Come and pray. Come and pray. Let's worship the Lord.
praise God. Sometimes I take for granted what we do here in, in the blessings in my life that are so many that uh, the day that I came to Calvary Gospel Church, the day I started a Bible study with Bishop Grant when he was our pastor, I had no idea what what was before me but I knew there was something different about the word of God I knew that God was talking to me from his word and I eventually got to the point where I began to realize he wanted to reveal himself to me not a religion not 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 another way but the way in Jesus Christ praise God we have the way that the Bible talks about. It, we, are, we are the answer that this world is looking for because Jesus lives in us. So let's pray that Jesus will, that we can show Jesus to the world this week. In Jesus' name, we pray, God, for your blessing and your anointing upon uh, us, your children, that as we go forth this week that we are sensitive to the needs of, of others, oh God, that we are open and responsive uh, to people who are hungry for truth. I pray, God, use us to reveal your name, to reveal who you are, that this week, oh God, we can make a difference in the world around us, not by who we are, but by who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Thank